This is Daniel Fagella, Head of Research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. You're listening to the AI in Business podcast. We create these episodes for non-technical leaders who want to be able to turn AI into ROI. So if you're looking to advance your business or your career in terms of understanding the workflow impact and the bottom line impact of artificial intelligence, you're definitely in the right place. And for those of you who've been here long enough, you know that use cases and trends are two topics we always double down on. These are things that can give business leaders a significant advantage. We like to learn from the best and share those insights right here. We've talked about the future of healthcare a number of times on the show. We've gotten perspectives from venture capitalists around where healthcare is going, folks who invest in this space. We've gotten perspectives from cutting-edge startups who've raised millions and millions of dollars to transform certain areas of diagnostics or certain areas of life sciences. Today, we speak with someone who is inside of one of the largest and best-known hardware companies in the world that's also rather involved in AI, and that is Intel Corporation. Our guest is Stacy Schulman. She is the VP of IoT and GM Health for Life Sciences and Emerging Tech at Intel Corporation. And she speaks with us this week about where she is seeing AI make its way into healthcare now and how COVID has adjusted the way that adoption is being prioritized and what she thinks that's going to mean moving forward. I don't care what industry you're in, this pandemic has adjusted the way that enterprises set their priorities in terms of their technology trajectory. And Stacy's insights around how healthcare is evolving, I think, has a lot of correlations to how other enterprises are adjusting their strategy or maybe should be. So in terms of actual use cases and, and where AI is finding its fit, and in terms of how COVID is actually impacting adoption decisions, there's a lot of transferable lessons here, and I'm grateful we were able to have Stacy with us again on the program. So without further ado, let's fly right in. This is Stacy Schulman with Intel Corporation here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Stacy, I want to get started talking about kind of current impact of artificial intelligence in healthcare. I know at Intel, you folks just wrapped up a pretty substantial survey uh, in the healthcare sector. This is obviously your domain of focus within Intel. Maybe if you could tell us a little bit about the breadth of the survey writ large, and then maybe some of the core takeaways as it pertains to AI transformation. Yeah, I mean, the core takeaway on this was that AI is more present than we thought. And we do surveys like this on a regular cadence, you know, to kind of pulse the market and understand where people are at in their, their AI adoption, how they're thinking about it. Are they at the beginning? Are they just starting to think about it? And what we saw between 2018 and this survey was an increase of 37% of people who are saying, yes, AI is now part of our plan. So here's what that means to us. One is, it means that we're seeing a quick uptick. You usually only see smaller, usually see smaller swings in that in between years. And, and we do believe that COVID has helped accelerate this discussion into artificial intelligence with the, the health and, and life sciences communities overall. And so what we were seeing is affirmation in the survey from what we were hearing from our customers directly which was not only are they starting to get more into artificial intelligence and understanding what that could do for them, but there was a sense of urgency around it that we haven't seen in the past. I'd say that that was the overall takeaway for, for me personally. All right. So, I mean, that sounds like a relatively substantial uptick in terms of, I guess, what you're proxying here is AI adoption. And I know that our audience was over 200 senior leaders in healthcare 
in the United States. What are the kinds of applications that we saw maybe climbing quickly? Maybe are there any that we didn't really see climb so quickly? It'd be interesting to know where is this traction happening as, as it purports to these, these new adoption and projects? Yeah, so we're seeing traction, I would say, in, in a few areas, uh, actually a number of areas. But one of the areas that, that I'm seeing more than anywhere else is the workflow space and making the, the workflow more intelligent. So you look at augmented healthcare. AI augmented healthcare is, is probably the topic that I would put it under in not replacing the clinician, but augmenting the, the data for the clinician and making that data more accessible and easier and simplifying the workflow and prioritizing what the clinician needs to look at in that workflow. I'd say that in, in broad speaking categories, that would be the top category that we're seeing. And then, you know, all of the AI that needs to go into doing that, whether it's depending on the, the type of problem that we're looking at, if it's improving the ultrasound quality, improving how, you know, comparing images in um, brain scans, those types of things, you know, first, there's a lot of artificial intelligence there, but then there's also artificial intelligence. And how do you prioritize that in a medical workflow? Yeah. And when we talk about kind of examples of these workflows, I think it always helps to be able to kind of paint a bit of a picture uh, as to what, what an example use case sort of might be. Is, it, is there anything at all top of mind when you talk about these workflows getting upgraded? I think that that is a pretty broad concept, certainly one that's, I think, of interest for the audience. You know, any that, that you like to use as examples? Yeah. One example would be, well, let me set some context first. So in when, when you look at triage in a hospital, the quality of the triage that you're going to get is going to depend on a lot of factors. I mean, it's inconsistent for the most part. It's going to depend on what was going on, how tired the the person is that's that's doing the triage, how many other things did they look at that day, you know, just before they looked at the the scans that they're looking at for the, for this patient. So, with artificial intelligence, what can happen is it can serve up the cases that should be looked at closer. So if a clinician is looking through a set of x-rays, for example, and they're saying, okay, no, this x-ray looks normal, but artificial intelligence detects that there's anomaly there, it can stop and and put an alert in front of the clinician to say, take another look at this one. And these are the areas that you should look at. And so it can highlight, no, there are anomalies here that you should take a closer look. And it might just be that, nope, there really is not an anomaly there. It's a shadow or, or whatever else. But it also could be that, nope, they were, they were tired and they, they missed it. And so artificial intelligence is a way to, to put that front and center for them to have them pause and look at the problem a little closer. Yeah, and there's, there's so many examples of that. I mean, I think anything, anything computer vision, the hope would be, uh, less false positives, less false negatives across the board, right? If we can train algorithms to get really good at lung cancer from x-rays or what, whatever it is that we're looking for in an MRI or, you know, you name it, it seems like there's there's opportunity there. I know from interviewing Jeepers, oodles and oodles and oodles of, of founders in the, the AI and healthcare intersection, that really the the key here is not not so much the algorithm, because as it turns out, you know, so long as you have enough images, you can pluck out 
cancer in a lung, but it's really making this stuff integrate into a workflow. There's so many hurdles in terms of, okay, the CEO is going to pay for it. The doctor is going to have to use it. The patient's going to be the one that benefits it from it. The stakeholders are so jumbled that there's so much friction into actually pushing AI through to being part of a hospital workflow. Why are we seeing things jump with, with all those existing challenges still in play? Well, I think that why you're seeing it is that there's a shortage of practitioners in the in the medical industry right now. And, and there's an absolute need to make this simpler. That's one. I think, too, we just hit that critical moment where the technology is ready in the industry and um, it's starting to get more affordable. And so that that's the other point. You've got to have both. You've got to have a technology that's ready. You've got to have an ecosystem that that has solutions. And then you have to have a moment in time where people see the need for adopting that technology. And I think all of those three things are, are actually coming together right now. And so that, that's what, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing um, hospitals who are understanding that you can improve the workflow in all of those systems using artificial intelligence. And, and just to add some perspective on this, you know, a doctor may have to click on 10 different screens to be able to talk to a patient about what's going on and all of the different windows they have to have open and all the different things they have to click through to be able to get an answer and to enter something into a system. That alone takes away from the doctor paying attention to the patient. And so even just simplifying all of that can add a lot of value back into the, the doctor-patient relationship. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's that's one of the myriad confluences of of making AI click in in healthcare is all these jumbled, you know, systems and all these regulatory how we have to enter things, how we have to code things. All these kind of stop gaps make stuff hard. And you have companies like Nuance that have done transcription in healthcare since you know before anybody really cared about AI. One thing that we've seen is we've seen more startups sort of find a way to not interrupt existing workflows. So in other words, instead of saying, hey, doctor, you're going to use this dashboard now and you're going to type things in this way now, instead of changing it, we've seen them sort of find a way to layer on top of or integrate with existing workflows and systems and just try to take away steps. Like for example, instead of building an entirely new dashboard for a radiologist to go in and you know identify potential tumor, uh, you know, tumors in, in images, sort of layering AI into those same images in the same portal that they're already doing the viewing. So it's not a new system, a new set of hardware and software. It's more of sort of a, a layer on top because changing the existing workflows and the existing kludge that is healthcare seems to have proven way too hard for some of those companies. Um, I don't know if that's a trend you've seen as well, but we've actually seen sort of the opposite of like, here's a new tool to use and a lot more of this thing works in the background. Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, companies like MaxQ is a company that we that we work closely with in the startup space on that exact topic. And the the theory there is is just what you said. Don't give people a brand new system to relearn. Um, make the systems that they have already just easier, and make those systems work together in harmony. And then make sure that what they're clicking through in their workflow is in the right priority 
for what they're working on. Yeah. If they're working on an emergency patient, you have a different workflow and the prioritization of that workflow is different than if you're, you know, talking to somebody who's who's having allergies. It's just a different workflow. It's a different type of priority. And, um, you know, and if, if there's somebody who has, who looks like a stroke victim, it's a completely different priority that, that you need to get into and t- different types of questions, different systems. And so, yeah, you're right. I, the goal here isn't to go and rip and replace out old systems. That's entirely impractical in the medical industry, but to make the systems that they have that are best in class work together with more harmony. Yeah. And, and man, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a gut wrenching catch 22, you know, uh, in many ways, because on the one hand, how many AI layers can we throw on top of a kludge that we're already frustrated with until it's just another kind of kludge that we're frustrated with? There's certainly a, you know, an advantage of kind of working with old faithful, you know, in healthcare, we've got too many regulatory risks to want to be jumping technologies. We've got too many stakeholders like doctors themselves who are already stressed as all heck and they don't want to learn new tools. So there's reason to to stick with, with, uh, these older systems that we're kind of building on top of, but but then there's sort of a, an aggregate level of transformation in terms of the whole workflow, just simplifying the entirety of the workflow, maybe streamlining, prioritizing, as you talked about, in a way that's much more transformative that might happen a little bit more quickly in a sector that could be more adaptive. You know, we think about like e-commerce, you know, how are they running recommendations? How are they running their marketing automation? You know, they can kind of swap things out maybe a little bit more nimbly than healthcare, obviously not dealing with the same regulatory risks. Do you see both the ups and the downsides of kind of this, you know, vendor ecosystem adapting itself to, you know, medical records technology coded in 1960? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a phase that you have to go through. I'm I'm a big believer that you you do this through integrating your systems, and then you you make your systems work harmoniously together, and then you start strategically replacing things one at a time, and and that's a better approach to trying to rip everything out and and replace it, and and it leaves you more nimble so that as things start aging out later, you can plug and unplug things. So adopting more of a microservices cloud type mentality around these solutions, I think is the right way. And artificial intelligence is uh, one of those tools that can help accelerate that. I hear your point on, you know, let's not add kludge on top of kludge, but at the same time, you know, we do have to kind of take these things one step at a time. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and AI, I think, is, is a good helper for that. And I don't think AI is seen as a helper for that. I think it's seen as a yet another layer. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, you, you didn't hear me advocate for ripping out the entirety of healthcare systems for, for five seconds there. So that, that wasn't the position at all. And of course, there's externalities and regulatory concerns in healthcare that make the iterative kind of forward approach that you'd kind of expressed, you know, maybe the better move for, for the majority of, of healthcare folks. But, but, you know, it, it, it comes with its, its, uh, with, its, with its pros and its cons. And I guess it's taking us somewhere. And so, you know, you've seen different fields evolve. You've, you've worked at very high level tech positions in a number of industries now, and you've been knuckled down on healthcare these last uh, three years. When you look at the amount of growth that we saw in the past year, you look at the kind of applications that seem to be taking off and, and the way that it's transforming that you've kind of articulated here and that, that maybe you and I have both seen a little bit, where do you think this is taking us? You, know, you cast your eyes forward five years and ask, 
you know, what are the core ways where AI could maybe bring some value to healthcare, to patients, to doctors, et cetera? What do you see as important there? And, and what do you think is inevitable? Well, this is a big area because I think that healthcare industry is going through its big transition at the moment. And I, I spent a, a lot of time in the retail industry and was there when retail was going through this, this huge transition and, and, you know, understanding how to handle the customer journey differently. And I'm seeing this in healthcare now with the transition of healthcare and looking at how to handle the patient journey differently. And I think the trend that that we're looking at is the consumerization of healthcare and giving the patient more choice with where they get care and bringing the care closer to the, the patient. And so that trend is going to take a lot of transformation in the industry. And, and I think it's also going to um, require us to really focus in more on how do we tie all of our systems together and how do we share information from one system to another? I think that's going to be a, a big hurdle that as an industry we have to overcome. And, and that's where I see us putting a lot of attention is, you know, overall, I know Intel we're focused there and I see the industry starting to focus there too on data sharing. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we had uh, the fellow who founded uh, Metadata, which I got bought for maybe $6 billion by um, some big French conglomerate whose name now currently evades me. And, and he talked about the same kind of hopeful future where data sharing would be part of the future of life sciences, you know, for developing drugs, etc. Obviously a very prescient topic now that we're, we're in COVID era here. What do you think are going to be the needle movers to encourage the sort of openness that, you know, maybe you and I would be hoping for to, to see that that harmony happen, you know, that, that kind of opening up of data to, to allow us to, you know, get to that nimble, better, more choice-filled future that, that you know, we're looking for here. What are, what are the factors that are going to help us? Well, I think that there's new entrants into the field, you know, and if you look at other industries and you kind of borrow from what caused industries to change, there were new entrants in and, you know, and I, I, again, I come from a heavy retail background and watch this go through in the retail. And I'm also watching as every major retailer today is becoming a healthcare company. And so there are new entrants into the healthcare space. And those retailers who transformed that industry, I, I feel pretty confident are going to take a new approach in the healthcare industry as well. Probably of the top 25 retailers, I don't know of a single one of them that's not looking at what their healthcare play is today. In the oh, top five, they've, yeah. they've gone public with their healthcare play. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just just as a very fast pinch review here, as a closing note. Well, I'm, when I when you know when we talked about kind of the gradual kludge upgrade versus the you know new way of doing things, I think the the biggest pop of new way of doing things will be, you know, how Amazon jumps into the ring, right? They're, they're not going to jump in like they started a hospital chain in 1980 and now they're kind of building. They're going to they're gonna start potentially software, hardware, workflow-wise in, in, a, in a new way. Um, and again, I wouldn't advocate that for existing hospitals, but, but I think you're right to say, man, that's a really exciting thing. I think a lot of our listeners are not aware that the big retailers have a healthcare play. Can you give us a quick highlight of maybe what our listeners should keep their eyes peeled for? What announcements have already been made that you think are going to set the tone of the future here? Oh, I would look at um, Amazon. I would pay attention to what they're doing in healthcare. I'd pay attention to what Google's doing in healthcare. I would look at Walmart and see um, announcements from Walmart. I'd look at Walgreens. I would look at CVS. 
in all of the competitors that they have. I'm, I'm trying to be careful not to mention the ones yeah, that fine, haven't public yet. But yeah, I would, I would look at, you know, take the top retailers in the U.S. And so I'll just talk about the U.S. market for a moment. But yeah. we're seeing this internationally as well. And take the top retailers in the U.S. market and start looking at even their public disclosures and, and see who's talking about healthcare. And there are very few of them who aren't talking about healthcare, is what I'll say. So, you know, we're seeing this. Um, and you're right, you know, you look at how did Amazon enter into the to the world of retail, and they they entered in as a as a book reseller, and now they're the the top technology company and the top retailer easily in the US and you know, closely in the world. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Alibaba and, and others. And you look at each of those companies are now looking at what's their healthcare play. And so they're going to, I think that they're going to have a, a, a very similar disruptive impact in the healthcare industry that they had in the retail industry. And that's, that's kind of my, you know, having been in both and, and understanding that, that industry really well, I, I feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah, well, I, you know, looking at your survey over the course of the last three years or so and seeing the big jump, we might presume in part as a response to the the red alarm emergency of uh, of COVID, we can imagine that there might be a similar urgency to move, urgency to change, urgency to improve when Amazon starts eating your lunch, you know, as, as they have in the grocery world and, and other spaces. So maybe it'll be a similar prod to new ways of doing things as, as it's been elsewhere. That's right. Yeah. Whether it's Amazon, Google, exactly. or yeah, um, yeah. any of those big, you players. know, Walmart, I, I wouldn't write Walmart off in this, yeah. in this topic at all. You know, they've, they've made some public statements recently on this area as well. And so I, I'd look at those and look at when we talk about consumerization of healthcare, you know, I think that people think we're talking, you know, 20 years out, 10 years out. I don't think it's going to take that long. And I think that we're going to see those trends. Now, we still have some really big, you know, players in the, in the space that are going to continue being big players, but uh, that disruption comes faster than people think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Coming from the source here, that's that's a pretty bold thing to say, and I can't say I disagree with you. I mean, taking it just just a look at what Amazon's up to and Google, never mind. You know, you mentioned Walmart. I haven't done as much research there, but I too would not write them off. So hopefully, that's some kind of tip for you know where to keep your ear to the rails for some of the listeners who are tuned in. And Stacy, I know that's all we have for time on this topic, but thanks so much for being able to join us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Stacy for being able to join us. And thank you to you, our listener, for being able to be here with us. I hope you've gotten a lot out of these trend-oriented episodes. Over the course of 2022, we will be doing a lot more of them. Uh, there's certainly enough industry transformation to keep us busy day and night. And hopefully we'll actually be publishing even more episodes on a weekly basis over the course of 2022. I hope to have some news on that, which I'll be sharing with you in some of the intros of our upcoming episodes. Make sure to stay tuned. We have a new newsletter page, which you can find at emerj.com slash n1. That's n as in newsletter and then the number one, emerj.com slash n1, where you can subscribe with one click and receive not only all of our latest interviews, but also all of our latest infographics and use case coverage across the AI spectrum. Again, if you're looking to get a business advantage in terms of your career or growing your company by understanding the workflow impact and ROI of AI, 
That's all we focus on here. So if you like the podcast, be sure to be a subscriber. We're going to be announcing more about upcoming changes to the podcast. Additional episodes will be running through 2022, and you can find that in the newsletter, emerj.com slash n1. I appreciate all of you as listeners. Hopefully we've got many of you as newsletter subscribers as well, and I look forward to catching you in our next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast.